Welcome to Reason to Panic, the only podcast out there for the worried mind. We give you a reason to panic each week so that you never have to worry about running out of reasons to panic. intro on this episode i wanted to say hi first to to tyler and to eli how are you guys doing out there i am fantastic i'm excited for today's episode <laughs> you're excited that's good yeah today's episode looks good i i was at a i was playing a disc golf tournament with uh with one of my sons today and that took the entire day and and uh i basically did that and now i'm doing this so <laughs> um I, i'm i'm very ready to I'm very ready to have a little levity here so I'm, I'm looking forward to this episode as well yeah me too eli it sounds like well, it'll be a good one i i think did you guys win <laughs> i got second place and uh charlie got 12th tied for 12th oh wow was there a bunch of kids there sounds like no, he, uh, there were three kids oh okay yeah, charlie did well so he played with the adults then he did that's right yeah, I can was... do math. I, I figured that one out. <laughs> well, and I'm glad you did, Randall, because we, we had some listeners doing the math and trying to figure out how the heck Charlie came 12th out of three. So Charlie is actually a phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal uh, disc golf player. So uh, let there be no disputation whatsoever. He can <laughs> hold his own. So yeah, and, he, and he did well today. He beat me in the first round, actually. He had a better score than I did. But you there, had to show him up. There were two rounds. Yeah, I had, I had I had to put the smack down at least once. So <laughs> that you wouldn't be a good dad if you didn't. Yeah, yeah, it's it's real true tough love. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, just to get get going, I, actually, before we get into the topic, I've been thinking a lot about five G recently, um, and the huge push that all the tech companies have been having to get everybody onto it and everything. Like the upside honestly is, is amazing. There won't be any latency and nothing, at least nothing noticeable to the human brain and devices. It'll be collect, collect connected. I've heard that you can have like your toothbrush connected to 5g. So it'll like give you halitosis ratings and all kinds of other things like <laughs> really? that. It's just insane. Yeah. Like all kinds wow. of stuff just because it's going to be so smooth on, on this 5g. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. And there'll be things like Neuralink with, uh, I mean, Elon Musk is way behind doctors with similar technology, but he's he's making it public um, where you can hook your brain up to a computer. You can have contact lenses that double as smartphone screens. Oh, that is that is sci-fi movie. That's like a dream come stuff. Can you imagine, though? Like, what if you got spyware on your contact lenses and all of a sudden you had all these pop-ups that you just <laughs> couldn't close fast enough while you're driving? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> you know, honestly, I mean... It, as fast as it sounds, I just keep thinking Skynet, 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 Skynet. Like, mm -hmm. what if Terminator was close, but it's not actually cyborgs? It's people where their neuro implants or whatever have gone haywire. And, you know, like, there's two sides to this coin. Everybody's stoked about the 5G and connectivity everywhere and super fast, you know, fast speeds. You can do whatever you want. But, um, you know, everything has a consequence. Yeah. And, and and I think it's important that, you know, that, that be considered. Sorry, I'm, I'm the I'm the Debbie Downer here on this one. No, that was my next line. I was going to say, but I have to wonder what's the cost. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's great, but when you look at it, the internet wasn't turn wasn't created to do everything that it's doing now. That wasn't its original intention. You know, it was meant to be kind of just like a a thing out there where you could access stuff across the world, but it, it wasn't meant to be a banking 
medium. It wasn't meant for all this other stuff. It, so, you know, security just didn't go along with it. So it, there's, there's a, there could be a huge cost, not only just for our, you know, computers and stuff like that, but can you imagine what would happen if say a hospital with 400 different locations throughout the country actually had some kind of attack on it and, and, and everything went down? Like that would be awful. Mm, <laughs> and that yeah. happened. That happened like two weekends ago, 400, oh 400 locations. They were saying it's the biggest one in the world that's ever happened, which wouldn't surprise me. I mean, 400 locations all of a sudden losing access to their computers <laughs> for a weekend would 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 do that. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it was a big deal. I don't think anyone died, but I don't know. It could have been really bad. Well, and, and since we're, we're segueing right into, um, you know, our, our conversation today, um, you know, we'll throw out the word we're, you know, we're, we're talking cyber attack. And when we consider this, this particular article, right. That you sent out Randall, that we're reviewing for kind of our, our, uh, centerpiece, if you will. But we look at this as, as, as the centerpiece, and they're talking about, you know, in this particular case, it, it, it felt more like a, a nuisance to them in the sense that we had to go back to writing things by hand, right? And and I felt like the article actually missed a, a significant component of, of, you know, what exactly it is that this means for these hospitals to be victims of this particular cyber attack, because everything now is starting to connect into the computers. I mean, before long, you know, your, your EKG and your life support and your oxygen, all those things. I mean, the nurses will be able to manipulate that from their stations because it'll all be networked in. And, you know, right now those, those components are at least somewhat isolated, but this starts to get yeah. like exponentially bad really fast. If we don't have systems in place that are able to, to, you know, isolate some of these truly critical components of what go on inside of a hospital, you know, as we're talking about here. And these, there's always someone, you know, wherever there's information, there's always going to be someone who wants it and is willing to go to unsavory means to get it. Um, And so the question just becomes like, what's the motivation? And that's, what's terrifying. Is it just to get, is it to get your information? Is it to get everyone's information? Is it to hold, you know, hold that information ransom, which happens all the time. You know, there are so many dark <laughs> reasons why uh, that people could want it, but it's just human nature. If there's something available that's valuable out there, people are going to want and work toward getting it for themselves. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the article, the very last line was, you know, this is serious. People could die. And that was it. Like it didn't actually go into what could happen because I don't think they wanted to address it, but this, this specific attack, if you mentioned it, it is ransomware. I mean, all that, all that happens in these kinds of attacks is somebody says, hey, I have your data and access to your computers and I'll give it back to you if you pay me money. And it's just a quick way you can, you can do it. You can get some money. I think a lot of mm-hmm. hackers and stuff just want a quick dollar or you know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars if it's a big enough network. And they, they, you know, they can hold pe- companies hostage and they usually do it on the weekends, right? <laughs> when, when nobody's around to be able to deal with it. It's the best time to do it. Sounds like you know quite a bit, Randall. I read the article. (laughs) (laughs) And you're an attorney, very suspicious. Uh, uh, (laughs) Um, uh, So so this guy, this is the largest, this is like one of the largest hospital systems in the country, 400 locations. So it, it makes you wonder, you know, we know there's a lot of money in healthcare. It makes you wonder how much they're asking. Hospital system has, has to either pay this out of pocket or does insurance cover this? I, I think you can well, get they in, would have insurance. insurance. Yeah. 
you know, that would cover cyber attack. But that's even that's going to be fairly newer compared to like uh, malpractice insurance. Right. I mean, sure. cyber attack insurance is, is definitely, you know, I, I don't think it's something you're going to find a, it's a new covered writer. as like an umbrella part of your policy. Right? I don't even think it could be considered a rider yet because the, the scale, I mean, there haven't been enough of them. The insurance companies don't know how much they can insure for. So they're, they're just, it's all basically the beginning of the scientific method right now. It's trial and error. It's guesswork right now. Yeah. The thing that's interesting too is that the profit margins on this, I mean, if you think about it from some twisted business perspective, the profit margins on this are, are it's almost a hundred percent given the fact that, you know, I, I'm going to shift gears here just a little bit and we can come back and we can talk about, you know, the hospitals, but I, I, I warned Randall before we, we started this episode. I mean, this really scratches my conspiracy theory itch because you start talking <laughs> You start talking cyber attacks and things like this, and it, it just really gets me going because I've spent a lot of time studying this. So if we look at, let's go back to the Cold War, right? So the, the 50s all the way through. Let's not, but for this purposes, 80s. I mean, let's, let's do that. Let, let's go down memory lane. Let's not relive the Cold there we War. Go. Thank you, Eli. Let's go down memory <laughs> lane a little bit, right? And at that point, it was all about nuclear advancement. You know, they, Russia has this many nukes, so America needs to have this many. And they put in this place, we have to put them someplace else, right? And it got incredibly expensive. But one of the things that they found as we start, we came out of the Cold War and we started to come into, you know, the 90s into the 2000s, that we started to diminish our nuclear supply. But what that did is that started to put nuclear arsenal out there on the black market for people to buy. So you can have yeah. somebody, say North Korea, for example that they're able to, to buy a nuclear warhead for incredibly cheap. And now they have the ability to use that as an EMP, as an actual nuclear event, as a dirty bomb, you know, whatever, right? But you still have cost. What you have with cyber attack is you get a couple of people that are just really good with the computer and they can devastate anything. I mean, they can take down electrical grids, they can take down hospitals, they can take down transportation. I mean, it, it just, for a couple of keystrokes and boom, it's gone and you, you can hardly trace it. It's, it's astronomical, the ramifications that this could potentially have. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. No, no, you're right though. Well, and it has it's it's real life. Like it's not the net or Skynet or any of these other things that movies that people watch. Like it, it, these are real lives that are affected. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did I did some looking because, like I said, this and and I apologize a little bit because my background was was energy, right? It was solar energy, and so I was really in just this world of power. So that's where it is that I keep going. So I did just a, a little bit of Google searching just to, to brush up on some newer stuff, right? So here's what it is that I found: the U.S. Department of Energy reported 150 successful attacks on our grid between 2010 and 2014, 150 in a four-year span. Like the number of cyber attacks that happen on a regular basis, it, it would blow your mind. There's another stat. According to the French Think Tank Institute, and I'm not going to try and speak French, but the acronym <laughs> That's is good. IFRI for those that are curious what it is, right? So according to the French Think, Think Tank Institute, IFRI, the power sector has become a prime target for cyber criminals in the last decade with cyber attacks surging by 380% between 2014 and 2015. Gosh. Wait, wait, one year? In a year. In a year. Over 300%. Almost 400% in a year. Is it is it increasing at the same clip, you think? I mean, where do people learn to do this? I mean, this isn't taught in school, unless it is taught in school, and it's just, you know, it's just, you know, normal information that you can use to, <laughs> I suppose maybe you can reverse it and use it to deconstruct things. I don't know, but like, I don't know any hackers. Not that any would say, hey, I'm a hacker, but... 
<laughs> Should we do a LinkedIn search real quick and see who has that as their, their professional profile? <laughs> professional hacker. Um, I, just, I just wonder. I just wonder where these people learn these things. And if it was a small community before, if it's just hackers teaching hackers, then which I'm sure it is, then that is the number of hackers will grow exponentially. Which makes sense now that the number of cyber attacks see, appears to be growing exponentially. Well, and it's not just the small guys. It's not just small individual hackers. There's the CIA has a team of them. Russia has them. Every major country has them. And just implementing some simple little tiny cyber attack against somebody else's grid, you can just shut it off. We only have three grids in the U.S. Um, and Russia could do it. North Korea could do it. Shoot. I mean, it's not that complicated. It just hasn't, you know, nobody's really gone all into it yet for whatever reason. It, it's, well, there, it's just there would entirely be possible. implications well, for sure. Military and, and, implications. Well, yeah, but it's hard to track. That's the problem. It's dang near impossible to track. So here's no, here's true. something else that's, that's incredibly interesting. So if you want a good if you want a good read, um, read Lights Out by Ted Koppel, and he goes into it actually. And you know Ted Koppel for those of you that are familiar with investigative journalism. I mean, he's you know top of his game in in his day. And so he went and he interviewed top officials in in the Pentagon, and he he interviewed you know, owners of, of uh, electrical grids and things like that across the country, right? I mean, he was top down all the way through. He was looking at it. And like Randall said, there's only three grids in the US and there is constant fighting between the utilities, the states, the Fed as to who owns what part of the grid. And so for that reason, I mean, our grids here in the United States are, they're archaic. They are not ready for this type of cyber attack. And so when a uh, there was a, a briefing before the Joint Chiefs of Staff, where they talked about the potential for hacking the U.S. electrical grid. And after the briefing, the the top officials, and I can't remember who was in the meeting. I, I used to be able to tell you the names of you know who was there. But they said, it's nothing new. We are not surprised. We know that Russia's in our grid. We know that China's in our grid. We, we highly suspect North Korea's in our grid. It's highly probable Iraq is in our grid. Now let's, let's look, you know, let's be fair. We're probably in all of theirs as well, but it's the cold war all over again. But now it's who's going to hit, you know, those keystrokes and enter and send somebody literally back to the 1700s just by mm. shutting off the power. Yep. I was thinking about this just the other day. I mean, I pretty much almost never carry cash. One, because just my normal lifestyle is just that I don't, I just don't carry that much cash. Uh, but secondly, it's, it's bad for my business. <laughs> I, I, I'm in the credit card processing space. So I, it's better if I pay with card because I can, you know, use that possibly as a conversation starter. Right. So, so it, it dawned on me that if someone were to just zero me out, I'd be in really big trouble. <laughs> I would have little to no cash on me and I wouldn't know how to do it, you know, buy anything, do anything. Uh, it, it's scary. And I put a lot of trust on this in this grid that we have. And this is uh, a reason to panic that is absolutely real. I just had the thought this, this morning, right? I missed the days when to communicate with somebody, you had to be face to face with them or you had to pick up a telephone that had a, a cord on the end of it, you know? But mm -hmm. everything now, is, is, we, we carry the technology in our pockets. We use it to pay. I went to a restaurant. They, because of what's going on, they, they are literally not accepting cash, which I don't know the legalities on that. I, I thought that you had to accept US tender, but Randall, maybe you can speak to that one. But I had to pay using card. Well, I've used Apple Pay because I, I love Apple Pay, but I had that thought. I was like, we're, we're getting more and more and more to where technology is synonymous with daily life. Well, yeah. And what happens when Bitcoin becomes the national currency? Like it's, it's all entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is. 
<laughs> I'm going to use that as a segue though, Randall, because I, I, and I, I want Eli, particularly I'm looking at you because I know that you've had more involvement with cryptocurrency than I have. Randall, I'm not sure where you are with crypto, but this gets me wondering, right? So we're talking about cyber attack and what we're talking about is a terrorist going or a pirate or whatever you want to call them going and holding one database, one mainframe hostage. Is the idea of blockchain, is that the opposite side of this? If, for example, hospitals, which we know that they've kind of talked about this, if hospitals are on the blockchain, if electrical grids could get on the blockchain, if finance and payment can get on the blockchain, I mean, is that is that a viable solution to be able to prevent or, or drastically reduce the number of cyber attacks that we have? Because then you've got, to, you've got to hack the whole blockchain. Though. Yes, in short, yes, because the blockchain, it's so simple that it really can't be hacked. It's Eli, why don't just... you take a second, back up real quick. Explain the blockchain for us real quick, because we're throwing the word around. Let's make sure that everybody knows what blockchain means and then keep and then continue your thoughts. So I'm going to cut you off real quick. I can do it. I can do it very succinctly without going into that technical detail. The Good, that's what I need. The blockchain, <laughs> is, the blockchain is essentially people. It's people's devices. It's the it's the hardware resources in people's devices. And it's those people working together or different resources from those people working together to authenticate a transaction. It's it's so secure that a lot of people, security experts um, in particular, cybersecurity experts actually have been trying to get, you know, work as consultants to get companies to store their information on the blockchain in order to prevent exactly what happened with this major US hospital system. The blockchain is safe because there's nothing really to hack into. So I don't, I, I can't think of a real life um, analogy to help explain it, but it's essentially um, a t two tin cans connected by a string and you know two kids playing in their backyards or in their respective tree houses and they're communicating with the string. You can't hack it. There's nothing to hack. Does that make sense? Yeah, so basically what you have is it's multiple people having the same basic information, right? I mean, there's, there's, you, you, you'd have to get into everything at exactly the same time to do it because of the way it's all stored, right? I mean, is, is that basically what it is yep. that you're getting at? Just with the, you're not looking at one database, you're looking at this elusive thing, right? Nothing is stored. On, not, nothing is um, really stored on the blockchain. The blockchain is used to move information. So what I mean by, you know, consultants trying to get major companies to put their information on the blockchain, what I mean is to put their information in like cold storage so that it's not connected to the internet, except a very, basically a string <laughs> tied to, you know, different nodes that authenticate the transaction. So in other words, there's nothing to hack. You can't hack the string because there's there's nothing really there to hack into. That was yep. really confusing, I'm sure, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's really hard to explain the blockchain in this way. As we as we said, we talk about cryptocurrency and the blockchain and how this could actually kind of go against what we typically talk about a reason to panic because this one is such a legit thing. I think it'd be really fun if we can find somebody who is deeply familiar and deeply invested into the cryptocurrency to come on and do a follow-up to this episode. And we can, we can explore that a little bit. I think, I think that would be kind of a fun place for us to go. Yeah, for sure. And then we could get Ted Koppel. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have my guy cut his guy. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea though, in all seriousness. The, the hard part is first off, 
I'm an, I'm an attorney. I'm thinking about the legal ramifications here. You can't hardly get hospitals to share information because it's all protected in the U.S. by federal HIPAA rules, right? And then yep. you've got all of these hackers that can just break through a fireball, firewall with a couple of clicks of their button, access everything, and then sell it either back to the hospital or sell it to whoever the highest bidder is. And you know you don't have to worry about doctor signatures or anything like that. And this is this is sensitive stuff. Imagine if a politician's records were available quickly, you know, you could you do all kinds of things with leverage there. There's so many different things that so many different levels that this cyber attacks on hospital systems could hit. In addition, there's also the fact that the person doing these cyber attacks literally has control over whether or not these people in these hospitals, especially at, at risk people in the ER or in nursing homes, God forbid, they can just literally push a button and people will start dying. And so as far as leverage goes, oh. we're thinking about COVID killing people right now, but it would be so much worse if all of a sudden somebody just decided to cut all the life support systems in a hospital off. I mean, and that's completely possible. At this it, point. it is completely possible because if you're crazy enough to do it, you're, you, you might, you're probably crazy enough to follow through with your threat. Yeah. So while internet is, is amazing and we can, we can do this podcast and we're in Utah, Kentucky, Virginia, like we're all over the place. I mean, it's at the same time, like there's so much damage because this is, this is one of those things where security was never a thought when it started and now it's an issue and we're trying to catch up with the people who are way ahead of, of breaking into all of these, uh, these systems. They're way ahead of the government. They're way ahead of everybody. And it's, it's just so hard to keep up. And all we're doing is reacting right now. As far as solutions go, I mean, the blockchain is one of them uh, going back to the stone age and just keeping everything away and not interconnected is another way. So, you know, just have, you know, inter intranet stuff where it's, it's only on site and it doesn't even connect to the exterior world world, at least for stuff like this. Right. This hospital, sense. this hospital went to using pen and paper to record patient records when they're, well, since their system has been down and guess what? You can't hack into those. <laughs> that's no, another, you can't. That's another situation where, you know, if you're handwriting documents and you're locking them in a filing cabinet, unfortunately there are laws that prohibit even that now. However, you, the only way you hack into that is to break into that office and to rip that file cabinet out of there. There's a lot more at, well, have fun at, with that. At, at risk <laughs> if you're trying to break into a hospital's records room. <laughs> right. So, so while it seems it's it's actually turning out to be exactly what they need right now. Yeah. In some cases, less is, is way more That's as right. far as access to information. Like not everything needs to be available online and it shouldn't be because that's it, just stupid. It does make you wonder. It does make you wonder if we will eventually see a trend. It makes me wonder if the cyber attacks will become so numerous that companies are looking at their processes and they're thinking, you know what, this is going to sound crazy and are, we might take a hit in the market for this. However, we've been so riddled with cyber attacks, we are going back to a completely secured intranet that has no connection to the outside internet or, or maybe they even say, we're going back to pen and paper. I don't think it's gonna happen though. And here's why. I, it may not. It probably won't. Well, and, and I can see the logic in doing it. And I could see that there might be, I, I could see there being a market for the, the incredibly, I don't want to say the incredibly paranoid, cautious. Can we use the word cautious? Um, is that a little bit less insulting? <coughs> Tyler, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to those that are a little bit more cautious, that they they will choose to go to a hospital or a doctor that is not connected to some sort of a uh, a, a cloud-based database, right? But 
Here's why it is that I don't think that that would be the case. You can now buy a car online that you never see. You can now get insurance from a company that doesn't have a location. You get an app and on it is your insurance information, right? We are in a digital era and I don't see us ever voluntarily going away from that. And so the argument has to be made for people that that's, that's where their mindset is, that if they're traveling and they've got a pre-existing medical condition, they've got an allergy, right? And they're from Omaha. I don't know why I picked uh, Warren Buffett's hometown, but they're from Omaha and they're traveling <laughs> and they're in Venice. And all of a sudden they get sick for the doctors in Venice to be able to access their full medical file through a secured server, like maybe the blockchain. And then they're not going to give them a shot of something that they know that they're allergic to and then kill them in Venice, you know, on a, accidentally. Right. So I, right. Right. as much as, as much as you can argue both ways, here's what it is that I always tell people. And I'll throw out this little nugget here for what it's worth. I love technology. I do. But I think that technology is increasing faster than the ethical or uh, then the ethical ability to monitor it or the, the understanding of what it is that we're actually implementing. It's just create it, throw it out there, and we'll figure it out. And, and we need to get away from that. Well, rank it then. What, what, what's the panic scale on this for you? Well, for me, like I said, this, this, this goes right, right up my alley of probably my favorite thing to look into more than I probably should. Uh, but for me, knowing the, the severity of what somebody can do with a laptop in an obscure place somewhere. This one for me, flat out, I'd have to say we're looking like a nine and a half on this one. Now I don't live in fear every single day because of it. I still live my life, but this one above all else is on the forefront of my brain as this could potentially happen at any given minute. What about you, Eli? Well, I'm, I'm kind of with Tyler on this one. Um, this is scary stuff. This is, this is legitimately life-changing stuff. And like has been, like like it has been explained or or um, expressed on this episode, this isn't um, just the stuff of sci-fi movies and sci-fi books. This is very much a real threat to me. This is a a, a nine point one. Yeah, I have to agree. Like it's it's up there. I, I was going to give it a ten. It's one of those things where I refuse to put my property that I just purchased onto the electrical grid because I don't want to be affected by it. And yeah. I'm just keeping as much information off of the internet as possible because I, I just don't want, I just don't want it out there for people to take and either use against me and take money out of my bank account or for whatever other reason that, that there could, I mean, I don't want to be affected when the grid goes out. I'm, I'll be just fine being self-sufficient with my pond and my, uh, my hydroelectric when I'm, when I'm out there and, and not mm -hmm. have to worry about a stupid cyber attack because it's, it's one of those things that it will just, you know, it'll affect the entire country. If it gets bigger, it can affect the entire world. I just, I just don't see any reason why it should be lower than a 10 <laughs> because of well, the, right. the loss of life that, that it could inflict just with a button. I'm going to hack into your geothermal um, <laughs> system. You won't be able to, it's not going to be connected to anything. <laughs> well, the only way. way for you to do that is for you to physically be on his property. Yeah, and... you'll, you'll have to do that's that. That's right. That's right. You know, in which case you'll already be there because you'll have been invited. But can you imagine getting a handwritten letter that says <laughs> we've disabled your hydro, your geothermal power? We you give us twenty bucks and we'll turn it back on. Uh, I would think I was back in in elementary school when I had my parents sign a permission slip. You can only do that, Eli, if you drop it on his doorstep and you run away as noisily as possible after you've knocked on the door to guarantee.
Right. And just run around to the side of the house and then put my head around the corner <laughs> hoping they won't. Just remember, I'm in Kentucky, and any suspicious uh, characters that drive onto my property will be shot by my neighbor. <laughs> yeah, I believe you. I believe you. It won't will even you... be me during the shooting. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Um, we finally got a 10 on our panic scale with uh, with these cyber attacks. Uh, they're they're a real deal. They're happening a lot. It's going up. And uh, just, just so you know, we actually found something. Usually... It's not that bad. I mean, because Castorium's kind of gross. But um, anyways, tune in next week for another reason to panic. And don't forget to uh, <laughs> to like us on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen. It'll help us out. Get us, uh, well, we're not near the top of the list. So maybe a couple steps up from the bottom from where we are right now. So anyways, <laughs> we appreciate you. And we'll, hear, we'll, we'll talk to you later. See you next week, guys. See you all.